Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to yet another edition of TV7 Editor's Notes. I'm Jonathan Hassan, of course, and joining me all the way from Madrid, Spain, is my mentor, colleague, friend, uh, Dr. Rafael Bardaki, the former Spanish National Security Advisor and CEO of Worldwide Strategy. How are you doing, Rafael? Thank you very much for having me. Good, Jonathan. Glad to see you again. It's always great to have you indeed. Uh, but as we always do uh, during uh, uh, Editor's Note Productions, uh, we'll start uh, with prayer and then dive into a brief announcement and then uh, we'll continue into what's challenging Israel today. Uh, the variables uh, at hand, of course, we're uh, finding ourselves in a very contentious period of time. Uh, so we'll start with prayer and then head to that part. Thank you, Lord, for today, Father. Thank you for the blessing and privilege of being able to uh, truly uh, have this platform to allow us to reach so many people uh, around the world. Father Lord, I pray that you will bless this conversation between Rafael and myself, uh, that it will serve as a blessing uh, to everybody watching. I give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Rafael, uh, just before we um, uh, engage in our discussions for today, I'd like to announce, uh, unfortunately uh, and regrettably, um, that Yair Pinto has decided to move on. Um, he's still a good friend and, of course, a good friend uh, personally, but also of the channel. And uh, hopefully in the future he'll be able to come and, and also uh, share the platform here at Editor's Note to give a little bit more of a, a proper farewell. Um, but uh, he decided to go for another um, opportunity that was presented to him. Uh, and as such, uh, that was also the main reason why you didn't see him as of late uh, on our production sets. But uh, we wish him all the best and uh, uh, may his uh, endeavors in his new uh, um, framework of what he does uh, be blessed. Uh, turning to you, Rafael, uh, we're currently in a very contentious period of time. Uh, of course, uh, we see all around us all kind of challenges. Uh, but I'd like to start with the city which uh, I'm in right now, Jerusalem. Uh, we saw uh, a rise of tensions, boil over, um, clashes on the Temple Mount, uh, a spike in uh, incitement uh, to youth to try and so-called defend uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque from Jews storming uh, that uh, compound. This is at least the, the narrative behind it which triggers a lot of uh, anger within the hearts of uh, uh, Muslim worshippers, but also uh, utilizes a framework for all kind of radical elements to seize the opportunity and uh, try and, and destabilize uh, the, the mound for their own purposes. Uh, what do you think about this circumstances? To what degree is this truly impacting the stability of the region at this moment in time? Well, as far as I understand, the government never had an intention to change the status of the Temple Mount. Uh, so it has to be something related to a kind of provocation from the Palestinian side. Having said that, and having viewed the image of the of the storming uh, the police into the into the mosque, 
I have to say that when I saw the fireworks that the people congregated inside were firing in an historical site, that's a, a, a sign of the lack of respect that they people that, that the same people that are trying to to defend the site are paying to the site itself. So it was a very paradoxical situation. But I have to say that the problem is uh, deeper than that. Is that that the wall always applies a, a double standard? No, uh, mm. I can't go as a Catholic to pray on on on, on this planet or any any surrounding area of the of the of the Temple Mount. So there is no, in reality, freedom of religion as established by the agreement between Israel and Jordan. Uh, it is a fact that only the Muslim can pray over there, uh, which is uh, is not respecting the, the the reality of the agreement. No, on that on that sense, I think is a very biased attitude of the world criticizing the Israel for something that is not trying to achieve, which is changing the status. The, the current status of the of the of the worship in the in the area, so uh, it's just another case of criticizing Israel, whether they do something or whether they don't do something. No? Uh, very unfair, I have to say. Indeed. Well, I, I went to my archives and picked out the the peace treaty between Israel and the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, among others. But uh, uh, before I, I read the part which you refer to about the freedom of, of worship, for that matter. Uh, I think it's it's important to uh, once again revisit the chain of events. Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad incite their people. Obviously, Palestinian Islamic Jihad is an Iranian proxy, which is directed by whatever Tehran wants it to do. There is a congregation of several hundreds of uh, Palestinian youth who managed to accumulate fireworks, as you said, stones, establish Molotov cocktails, makeshifts uh, of uh, all kinds, preparing for something that they know is inevitable. They blockade themselves inside, and the negotiations start. The Jordanian Waqf, which is responsible for administrative uh, administrative aspects of the Temple Mount, starts negotiations with those youth, urging them not to escalate the situation. Then, of course, uh, those negotiations fail, and Israel, which is responsible for the security on the Mount as the sovereign, comes in and removes uh, those uh, rioters from uh, the ancient compound, which is, as you mentioned, amazing how uh, they disrespect this historical site, which they regard as holy. Uh, I mean, I regard certain things as holy, and, and I can assure you I won't act the way they acted on that site. Yeah. But that's something that I can also uh, attest many people watching us, and I'm sure many people around the world, including Muslims, would agree with that statement. But just for the sake of, of understanding what's uh, the story of... of uh, that we're referring to. Then the, the Jordanian foreign minister comes out and he releases a condemnation. The Jordanian condemnation uh, then is followed by an Egyptian condemnation and condemnations from across the Arab and Muslim world. But Ayman Safadi, the Jordanian foreign minister, says as such, the brutal Israeli attack on peaceful worshippers at Al-Aqsa. I didn't see any peaceful worshippers there, but that's a different star, uh, story, is an abomin uh, abominable 
act that violates all laws, human values. The world must clearly condemn it. The occupation and its illegal, inhumane, and provocative practices are pushing towards explosion in these holy days. So I don't know how you twist something so dramatically and come to a point. Now, uh, if I may, uh, Rafael, read for the sake of uh, our uh, viewers right now, Articles 9 and Article 11, the beginning of Article 11 from the Peace Treaty, which would provide a lot of insight to everyone about this matter. So in Article 9, which is about places of historical and religious significance in interfaith relations, it says the following. Each party will provide freedom of access to places of religious and historical significance. In this regard, in accordance with the Washington Declaration, Israel respects the present special role of the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan and Muslim holy shrines in Jerusalem. When negotiations on the permanent status will take place, Israel will give high priority to the Jordanian historic role in these shrines. The parties will act together to promote interfaith relations among the three monotheistic religions with the aim of working towards religious understanding, moral commitment, freedom of religious worship, and tolerance and peace. Obviously, the statement by Ayman Safadi and the reality on the ground are so detached from one another. Now, the reason I'll read now also Article 11 is because Article 11, at least the beginning of uh, this article, is very important to comprehend to what degree there was incitement beforehand and the commitments made by both sides. And it uh, speaks about mutual understanding and good neighborly relations. It says as follows, The parties will seek to foster mutual understanding and tolerance based on shared historic values and accordingly undertake to abstain from hostile or discriminatory propaganda against each other and to take all possible legal and administrative measures to prevent the dissemination of such propaganda by any organization or individual present in the territory of either party. How is this still being maintained, considering the fact that Jordan is clearly and blatantly in breach? I think we need to understand also the Jordanian position. No? The Hashemite kingdom has been saved, essentially, in the last 40 years by Israel. The relations between Jordan are vital with Israel. The relations between Jordan and Israel are vital for, for Jordanian uh, welfare and stability. Also, the issue has been in the last years that uh, the Palestinian problem or Palestinian portfolio or issue, whatever you want to call it, has diminished in importance and relevance in the region because uh, new players has been uh, emerging and uh, introducing new new policy and new factors like Saudi Arabia or the Abraham Accords in the in the in the, in the whole region. No? So Jor Jordan has also seen diminished his relevance and tools and uh, and elements to deal with Israel. So the only the only thing left for Jordanians are the Palestinian problem, and in mm -hmm. that in that sense, it's a delicate balance they have to play. They they, they have to incite somehow of criticism against Israel in order to get the attention, but not to break the line because then they will be in a worse uh, situation. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very cynical uh, game, no, playing by the king and the government in, in Jordan. And I have to say that at some point, uh, everyone will have to address that uh, cynical policy and say, okay, look, 
uh, be careful of what you you try to to achieve and how to achieve it because you are promoting your own self-defeating uh, uh, policy. And finally, I have to say that in the, in the, in the, my last visits in, uh, to Israel, I perceived a mounting uh, violence in the West Bank and Judea and Samaria, uh, which is probably out of control of the Palestinian Authority, which has introduced a new element, you know, whether the security in that area is worsening. And in that case, uh, if the Palestinian Authority is able and unwilling or both uh, to deal with that, what Israel's security forces should do in the near future in order to prevent more violence, more attacks, more terrorist actions, uh, or just um, the things that we have seen in the in the, in the Temple Mount no? uh, last days. Indeed. Well, uh, as you mentioned earlier, um, the Prime Minister's office here in Jerusalem released a statement following uh, the, the various condemnations from around the world, including from Jordan, uh, in which... Uh, he highlighted, and I'm referring to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, that Israel is acting to maintain the status quo and calm the situation on the Temple Mount. Uh, Muslim worshippers in the Al-Aqsa Mosque are asserting that the Islamic extremists who barricaded themselves inside the mosque locked them in, a, and, uh, in and prevented other Muslims from going to the mosque uh, uh, to pray, something we also uh, showcased uh, on TV7 last week. They barricaded themselves with weaponry, rocks, and fireworks, and after the authorities attempted a dialogue fa uh, failed, and the extremists were refusing to allow Muslim worshippers to enter the mosque and even threaten the holding of afternoon prayers today, uh, the security forces were compelled to act in order to restore order. Israel is committed, and this is the emphasis, Israel is committed to freedom of worship, free access for all faiths and the status quo on the Temple Mount, uh, and will not allow violent extremists to change this. Now, uh, with relate, regards to Jordan, obviously, Israel is a very small country, a very narrow country for that matter. Therefore, having Jordan stable on its eastern flank with large territories obviously provides for uh, uh, strategic depth of field, uh, which uh, we call in, in military terms. And therefore, there is a mutual interest to maintain that stability in Jordan that allows Israel then uh, to have a sort of a defensive buffer called the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, as opposed to uh, having to defend with only several kilometers of uh, a buffer, which would then challenge Israeli security. Um, I'd like to move into another topic uh, that has to do also with uh, Judea and Samaria, as you mentioned. Um, Israel is faced with many threats, many challenges right now on the security front from the Islamic Republic of Iran being the head of the octopus, as uh, we call it here in Israel. Uh, and uh, we can go from uh, Judea and Samaria, the Jordan Valley, uh, the Gaza Strip, Lebanon, Syria, Islamic Republic of Iran, Yemen for that matter. Um, the threats are vast. At a time when internal strife has ultimately, according to uh, military intelligence here in Israel, diminished Israeli deterrence, despite the security establishment still being very capable. What can you tell us as an observer and uh, also somebody who has met with all of Israel's top 
security establishment just in the past month and had the opportunity to communicate with uh, uh, the various agencies and, and security branches on those challenges at hand. Well, as you said, the Terrence has a hardware component, the real military capabilities, but also has a political and psychological dimension. Terrence is perceived by the eyes of your enemies or Israel's enemies, and if they perceive wrongly or rightly that the domestic situation of Israel is weakening the ability of the government in Jerusalem to act, they will they will react accordingly and they will put more pressure and more actions against the Israel citizens and interests. Uh, I'm sure that the Ayatollahs in Tehran are looking carefully about the domestic the debates on the judicial reform in, in, in Israel and trying to understand whether that will affect the ability of the, the current government to decide any kind of policy or action against uh, the expansion in the region or the nuclear program. Uh, so that's a, a point. The Terrans probably on the military side, on the capability, is, a, is a stronger than ever in Israel, but the perception and the psychological element probably will present a, a window of opportunity, rightly or wrongly, uh, according to the enemy's eyes of Israel. Uh, having said that, I think uh, the terrain can be restored easily if any military action is going to be forced to be taken. Uh, but the, 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 problem, the problem now in, to, for Israel, to my own humble view, is that there is a, a new emerging axis uh, uh, which will affect Israel's security in the future. And this axis is uh, patronized by uh, Beijing, by China, incorporate Moscow uh, currently with the invasion of Ukraine, but also Iran in the Middle East. And this new tripod of three-legged axis uh, is going to affect the surrounding areas and the, the, the security long-term of Israel, with Russia in Syria, with Iran in Syria, with Iran in Lebanon, with Iran as expansionist in all the region, uh, and with the nuclear program itself. No? So um, that's something that Israel security establishment has to be taken into consideration very seriously. And what could be the options for the near future if this ACES is going to uh, cement uh, for the near future? I've spoken to members of the National Security Council of the United States uh, on this specific matter that you spoke about, the axis uh, mm -hmm. of China, Russia, Iran. They're not under the impression that an alliance is forged there. Um, which obviously dictates much of their activities regarding this region. Uh, yeah. Where is that detachment? Because uh, other members of uh, or former members of the National Security Council who are observing this area quite closely are of a complete different opinion. Yeah, I think the American administration is still interested in reaching out to Iran and trying to forge a new, a new GCPOA, a new agreement with Iran on the nuclear program. And that prism and that lenses uh, make uh, everything less important. For instance, just an example, when we knew of the drones provided by Iran to Russia and Ukraine, it was a big scandal. But that has been downplayed progressively by the American administration, the US press and everything. So that the, the subject is almost disappeared from the public uh, view. Uh, and that's because they are trying to create a, com a ground more amenable to reaching any agreement with Iran. No? But the, the, the military uh, aid from Iran 
not only withdrawn, but also with expert and ammunition to Russia, is still there. The same with the demonstration, the poor Iranians that are totally abandoned by the U.S., no? Uh, it's like it's not important, and it's really important for the for the uh, existential threat that they present to the to the regime, you no, know, the Yatollahs. Uh, so that I think is because the, the the team around the president Biden has been so invested personally in the GCPOA in, when Obama that they are still trying to save anything they can uh, in order to achieve an agreement with Iran. No? Whatever it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad, no? and that also has an impact on Israel, obviously. Obviously, indeed, uh, unfortunately. Uh, it seems like they were trying now to research an uh, interim agreement similar to the one that was reached with the Islamic Republic in 2013 following uh, the meeting between Jake Sullivan at the time and, and Bill Burns uh, from uh, the CIA director at the time in Oman. They had meetings with the Iranians, reached an interim agreement that ultimately led to uh, a a joint comprehensive plan of action. Prior to that, it was called the uh, joint plan of action. Uh, but the Iranians have already rejected that. What does this well, indicate the, about the Iranians? Well, the Iranians are now in a in a in a also complex situation in the in the sense that they have achieved everything they need for enriching uranium. They are really arriving at a point where they are going to have the decision to whether to freeze the program. Or to continue the program and enrich to a military grade beyond 90%, and also, if they do so, uh, to move into the weaponization phase and have suddenly, in a matter of few months, not one bomb, but a small arsenal of six or seven bombs, no? which will be much more difficult to deal as, a, as an strategic situation. Uh, and that's, that decision moment is arriving, it's arriving fast which uh, will require from the West the same decision moment, whether we are going to allow Iran to move in that direction or we are going to prevent it, or we are going to do a kind of ostrich policy like the Americans are doing now, just looking into another direction or putting their hands in the sand. No? Uh, but that is a reality. In mm -hmm. some, at some point in 2024, uh, the Iranians will move to weaponize and we will have to decide what to do with that uh, situation. I joined that position. I, I unfortunately, and I say this with a lot of uh, care or being very careful about the wording of this, the moment or the, the moment of truth regarding a, an action that would ultimately lead to a regional conflagration of sorts, uh, unless oh. it's uh, certainly uh, mitigated, um, is going to is fast approaching. Uh, I don't know whether it's going to be tomorrow or in a month or in uh, six months, but uh, it's fast approaching. And uh, at a time of lack of leadership on on the Western Front, unfortunately, we're uh, we're uh, at a point where leadership decisions need to be made. Uh, and this is quite a difficult uh, task. Um, we have roughly three and a half minutes left for today's uh, program. And I think it's yeah. it's important to highlight also uh, Europe is undergoing in, in various countries uh, uh, their elections. Things are moving to the conservative yeah. and right-wing camps. Of course, Spain is also uh, among those nations. Um, what what can you tell us about this? You're, of course, also part of the Vox Party uh, uh, well, leadership, I think, I think, for that matter. 
yeah, I think we we saw in Finland a change of uh, dynamics of moving from mm -hmm. the socialist to the conservative. Uh, I don't know if that will extend to the rest of the countries, but obviously we have in Europe a left that is crazy, like in America, introducing all kind of policies in order to change the essential nature of democratic society, and that it will imply either we accept that as we side of our civilization or if we reject it and we fight uh, a rebirth of the Western values and democratic liberal values as, as in the past. So I think in Spain we are in a juncture whether to accept the social communist government which has established themselves by tricky and, and dirty tricks in the past or reject that option and come back to our essential traditional core values as a Spanish society. And, and, and try to save the democrat, democratic institutions from the left revolution, which is taking place very, very silently. Uh, well, silently and vocally at the same time, which I know is a paradox, yeah. but they're, they're quite active. And the dirty tricks you're speaking about, uh, I obviously we spoke uh, before the, the edition today, and, and uh, you told me about uh, uh, the cultural gifts they're giving yeah, to, yeah. to youth. Yeah, well, the, the, the left wants people very dependent and subsidized. No, now the Spanish government is, among other many other things, giving the people who are 18 years old a 400 euro check to buy uh, PlayStation games. No? Uh, because they believe that giving money to the people will revert in more votes for the government. Sometimes they ha that happens, sometimes it's not. But it's, it's a kind of proof of how they treat the, the citizens. It, they are totally slaves, no? uh, basically from the leftist uh, eyes. It's people soulless with no character. I hope that we will reject that uh, option, which is, I mean, it's like we were in Cuba. No? The, 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 the regime is not yet about economics. It's about taking out the soul of the people, no? converting them in kind of zombies. That's the socialist uh, policy. No? And I think uh, hopefully we will, we will revert that. Unfortunately, Marxism is very dangerous, and it already indicates that, uh, for, for instance, the, the uh, study that uh, came out about France, where more Muslims uh, today are attending uh, mosques on Fridays than Christians uh, on Sundays, yeah. it, it says a lot about European society today, uh, where it's transforming. It's transforming into a secular Muslim society. Yeah, well, that that's uh, the... the the result of years of multiculturalism, of uh, radical secularization. Uh, but I hope that at some point people will understand that this is a path of suicide and that has to be changed. changed. Uh, hopefully, uh, we've seen in Finland last week, we saw that also in, 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 in Holland before. Um, let, let's, let's hope that people will understand the real risk that we are facing and we try to avoid us jumping into the black hole of the void of the future, like in the, in the Middle Ages. No? Uh, mm -hmm. I think that the progressive Islamization of Europe has to be stopped, and only can be stopped by Christians uh, confirming their faith and their attitudes. Well, unfortunately, uh, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Dr. Rafael Barraji for taking uh, out of your busy schedule and uh, wish you uh, success in the upcoming election. 
Thank you. My pleasure, as always. Indeed, and I'd like also to thank all of you at home. Uh, pray for the situation. Pray for uh, Israel, for uh, your respective countries that will be able to uh, stand up uh, for what is right in uh, each of those countries. Uh, until next time, for me here in Jerusalem, Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.